talking to vegans. Today's episode is the second half of my conversation with five vegans here at the University of Guelph to really get a better understanding of their perspectives, motivations, and attitudes about veganism. In the first episode, we said, why are you a vegan and what motivates you? In the second episode, we really try and get a little bit more detail on, you know, misconceptions about veganism. Turns out there are also tense conversations, not only between vegans and non-vegans, but within the vegan community about what it means to be a vegan, what degree of activism is appropriate, and how to interact with the meat-eating population, but also a little bit about whether it's a sacrifice, how they interact, whether veganism is cool or trendy. And so I think this really complements that first episode well and really get a, a sense of how these people are thinking. As I said in the introduction to the last episode, I don't spend a lot of time in this episode challenging or questioning. My objective here was really just to understand where people are coming from in order that we can come into future conversations with a better foundation of the perspectives of people that we're having an ongoing discussion. One of the really interesting points I think in this episode that you should look forward to is how vegans think about flexitarians and can you be a quote-unquote part-time vegan and still be seen as, as making a positive contribution to the community. So without further ado, here is part two of Talking to Vegans. What don't people get about vegans? What are the misconceptions? Are there any? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, one of my biggest pet peeves about people's misconceptions is that they assume that we're all inherently privileged. There's a lot of people of color vegans who are doing really important frontline work in their communities, not just related to veganism, but related to a lot of different social movements, access to healthy food, all that kind of stuff. But when we only talk about veganism in terms of white veganism, it really erases these marginalized vegans. There's also a lot of vegans with disabilities, vegans um, who are poor. I have a lot of intersecting oppressions that I experience, and I'm still vegan. So I think it's important to recognize that it is harder for certain people to be vegan, but it's not impossible for marginalized people to be vegan. And as I said, when we only talk about veganism in terms of privilege, we're really erasing those marginalized vegans who are doing really important stuff. That wouldn't have been a misconception that I had, but I can see how many people would. I, I can see mm-hmm. that that probably is true. It's yeah. very true, especially in social justice spaces yeah. where veganism is not a popular topic. Really? Most of the only time they talk about it usually is saying only privileged people can do that. And mm-hmm. I'm like, nope, that's not true, but okay. I'm going to come back to the, the affordability question, but are, what about some other misconceptions? I mean, some other misconceptions kind of plays into this, but there's always this image of vegans as like a whole food shopper. And and there's a lot of assigning vegans to eating particular things like avocados or quinoa <laughs> or, or maybe like a, like a long list of other super, super trendy foods. Yeah. Um, when like that just really isn't the case. You know what I mean? Like you don't like veganism is, I feel like veganism is defined in the negative. It's defined by what you don't eat. Yeah. It's not defined what you do eat. Yeah. You can, within the realm of like plants, you can eat anything and you don't, like, you don't need to eat avocados. You don't need quinoa. 
and, and we get a, we seem to get a lot of blame for for those problems apparently. So. Yeah. <laughs> blame yeah, vegans get a blame for a lot of things. Yeah. yeah. Every food related problem that's not animal. Actually, no, even animals. It's all vegans' fault. <laughs> <laughs> I think a big misconception for me personally is that we're all radical and I don't do a lot of activism and sometimes I feel guilty about that, but that's just not where I come from. I come from a space where I include people and cook for people and show them in a different way. So that's something that I get a lot is like, oh, so you're like some radical vegan and you're going to yell at me if I eat this meat in front of you kind of thing. Um, but. <laughs> <laughs> some people are. Some people are. But, but, but that's, again, part of the objective here is to yeah. highlight that that is probably a perspective, a misconception that many people have, that, that there is this variety of intensity of activism within the vegan community. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and like it it happens, I don't know, people just assume that you're going to come at them in that way. But yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, that's one thing that I kind of shy away from telling people I'm vegan because of that. And people always think there's like these hard and fast rules with veganism. And they're like, well, is this okay? Is that okay? And I don't like having those hard and fast rules. So because everyone needs to make their own decision for them. It's about what's best for you, what can you do, what's accessible for you. And uh, I think that's important to have that perspective of allowing people to come to their own decisions. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, and just to add on to that, like I think so too, like the, the fact that there is such a wide spectrum of how you can be vegan, like how we can approach it, and like what people do as a vegan. Like people have the misconception that it's like a narrow, if you're a vegan, then you must be these things. But in fact, like it's such a wide spectrum. And I also try to, I guess, like have people realize that by, you know, being like a positive, bringing positivity and welcomingness and like um, friendliness into my influence as a vegan. And another thing that I feel like people don't get or that it's like a misconception is that like it is our choice like ultimately because a lot of times when like there are options on the table and like I choose to not eat one there's a lot of people like oh like that's so sad like I'm so sorry that you won't be able to enjoy this other non-vegan meal but it's not that I can't have it it's just it's that I actively choose to not have it and I feel like to them it's like more of like I feel bad for you, but it's a powerful choice for us where it's like we actually feel empowered by not eating it. And so um, I feel like that's something that people don't really get. That's an interesting point. And I had a question here, and maybe I'll ask it now. Is being a vegan a sacrifice? Like, are you giving something up or is it a positive choice? Um, that's that's why I asked the question. I figured mm-hmm. it would be if it, it figured it wouldn't be a simple yes or no question. Well, I feel like with any choice, there is always going to be something that you give up. But it's the point is not what you give up is is it worth giving up? And I feel like you know sometimes some things may not be as convenient for vegans, or um, sometimes you may have to eat something that is not as tasty, or like whatever it is. 
but I feel like to us, or at least like most vegans, I would hope, what they stand for is more important than that extra like inconvenience or that extra time. Mm-hmm. And so for me, like, yes, there are some sacrifices, but I don't like, I think that it's worth it. And I think that, well, I feel better having sacrificed that for what I live for. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So you do lose things, sacrifice things, um, sacrifice having like normal conversations with non-vegans <laughs> and going to family dinners at first can be really weird interacting with non-vegan people can sometimes be and like when I first went vegan this was over four years ago I definitely had to go through a learning curve of learning how to interact with non-vegans and I guess it's gotten better since then but yeah I gave up stuff in inconvenience um in my mental health at points when I just get really upset about what's happening to animals. But what I gained was some really good friends who are also vegan, a community that I felt that I belonged in, something to be passionate about. Um, It really healed my relationship with food because I had a really bad relationship with food before. And then when I learned to view food as something that helped me be alive and something that I needed to nourish me and it was good, my life actually has gone very uphill since I went vegan. And my family at first was a bit not cool about it. And now my family's all on board with it. They, Some of them have changed their habits. I've, I've influenced people to go fully vegan. So that's a really cool thing to experience. Yeah, for me, it's only added value to my life. Because I came into this with a health issue. And through veganism, I've been able to, you know, deal with the symptoms and live a normal life for once. So it's added so much value to my life and like you said I've influenced both my parents are now vegan and they've seen it influence their life and impact their health Uh, so just seeing that I feel like I haven't given up anything I've gained so much from it go ahead I was just gonna say I think that goes in with the misconception that I had about vegans which was age Mm -hmm. like I used to think that all vegans were university age students or like hip people in their 30s um, so, <laughs> and, liberals. Yeah. <laughs> and like my my partner's parents are vegan and, and they're just, old like me yeah <laughs> well i hope they don't listen to hear that. <laughs> we didn't we didn't name anybody <laughs> you talked about that it was difficult to talk to non-vegans because it often gets confrontational is that is that changing yeah totally i found it's become so much easier to be vegan nowadays my non-vegan friends whereas before i'd meet somebody and they'd be arguing with me trying to argue with me about bacon or something yeah or you know being stranded on a desert island and all that stuff now my all non- the cliche questions yeah now yeah. my non-vegan friend or actually just straight up attacking my choices yeah. but now my non-vegan friends if i meet a new friend and i they're not vegan most of them just say, yeah, I mean, I'm not vegan, but it's pretty messed up that I eat meat. And I'm like, all right. <laughs> <laughs> so I feel that people are becoming more aware of their actions, even if they aren't going fully vegan. It's still really cool to see some of that cognitive dissonance going away. People really connecting with the choices they're making to consume animals and being more open to understanding my perspective. That's cool. Yeah, I mean, um, I've actually been, my parents are vegan and so I've been actually 
vegan for my whole life. Okay. And so, I mean, when I was a kid in the 90s, not only did you, you first had to describe to people what veganism was, was yeah. when you told them you were vegan, and then you had to fend off like the absolute horrible vision. And I mean, when I was a kid, I mean, the people around me were kids too. They weren't the, absolutely the nicest people Yeah. Um, when you're that age. So for me, it, it, it was, it, I mean, it was kind of brutal to be honest. Yeah. I mean, in comparison to now, now, yeah. now it's, now it's easy. Now you tell people you're vegan. They're just like, okay, yeah, it's, it's like, they don't have really anything to say about it anymore. Yeah. Um, I'm probably not the first vegan they've met anymore. You know what yeah. I mean? <laughs> <laughs> so is being a vegan cool now? I didn't mean to be sort of like flippant about it, but I agree. In the 90s, people would have looked at you like you had three heads or looked at your parents like yeah. you had three heads. And my sense is there are still people who feel threatened by it. And there are still people who will argue and sort of butt heads with you. But I think there's probably more people who just say, whatever, it's your choice, and I'll listen to your perspective, you can listen to my perspective, we can, you might not like it, but we can at least be civil to one another, which is changing, maybe not entirely, I've heard there have been confrontations on campus and, and that sort of thing, but I, I'll tell you, we did a survey of Canadians, and I don't remember, it would have been either in the spring or last fall, where we were trying to get at flexitarianism a little bit, get at, get at meat consumption. So early in the survey, we asked a question, how often do you eat meat? And then later in the survey, and we didn't, we weren't trying to trap people. We weren't trying to fool people. It never actually occurred to us. We asked people later, are you a vegetarian or a vegan? And, and let people self-identify. And only when we were doing the analysis did we find, A, our number of vegans was higher than most counts of vegans in the camp. And then we compared, there were a bunch of people who identified as vegans who said, oh, I eat meat. Is yeah. that... Um, is it trendy now? Like, I yeah, would say it, it's yeah. kind of a trend in the same way feminism is, is like a trend, you know. I kind of touched on this earlier with like the mainstream capitalist watering down of the message, which is anti-oppression. I think it's becoming more mainstream, which is kind of good, but also kind of bad because you have people saying they're vegan when they're actually just mostly plant-based and they do a lot of non-vegan things and don't care, but they say that they're vegan because I do think it's kind of trendy on Instagram to post your smoothie bowls every day and your avocado toast. Um, <laughs> but we don't all eat avocado. <laughs> <laughs> but it's becoming kind of trendy in a weird way, especially with the, the whole foods, plant-based stuff, people who are not actually vegan who just say they are because they have all these followers and they post good looking food. And I think it's kind of problematic because as also we touched on earlier, I, I view veganism as like an ethical, philosophical, social movement that is very much about eradicating the oppression of animals. So if we're not focusing on that and we're just focusing on pretty pictures of smoothie bowls, that's problematic to me. Okay. I, I think like, my approach to activism is much more of a flexible approach. Like, I think that it's really amazing when people take steps to be a little bit, a little bit more vegan. I think we need a better word for it. Like, I use, I use words like veg curious or, like, vegan tendencies or, like, you make more vegan choices because I think the incremental things are important, too, and it's not all about being 100% vegan 
in terms of the way we're like encouraging our society to go um, and in our co- in co- my own personal conversations but I still think that there is something important about the wor- identifying as a vegan because I think that there are a lot of ethical it's, it's a really important ethical movement too and it's important to keep that as like there's so much more than just the food you eat it's the what the like the type of clothes you wear the type of things you buy and, and whether you get animal testing tested makeup or that sort of stuff all comes into the word vegan so I think yeah, the flexibility and like encouraging all kinds of the flexible, like flexitarian is really great, but I also think that keeping that word special is good too. So there's some there's some value in identifying the totality of of those activities and acknowledging, okay, at least you're eat, you know for other people you may not be a vegan, but at least you're eating less meat, or at least you're trying to do things that are more environmentally sensitive we can acknowledge and appreciate that people are are making progress but that's different than being a vegan yeah yeah it feels weird to me though i don't know that feels like you're putting your like on a pedestal like Mm -hmm. well you can't get to that veganism Mm -hmm. you know that full i guess almost like righteousness or status it's kind of it's yeah it feels weird to me to be like well you're not you're not vegan and then you're like, who's the authority on what's vegan? Where do you draw the line? Like, it just gets so complex. I believe that yeah. words are important, though. And well, if we yeah. don't have... Most of us understand that veganism is reducing harm to the like extent possible that you can. And if somebody says they're vegan, then they go get a steak. I think that's messed up because you can't be a part-time feminist. Just like you can't be a part-time vegan. And I think that veganism is the bare minimum. Um, activism is what we all should be doing. However, I recognize that it's not as easy. Personally, I don't do a lot of activism for mental health reasons, but I believe that the majority of people can be vegan and should be vegan. And it is important that we don't normalize the oppression of animals. Like we can acknowledge baby steps and how they're important, but we also shouldn't say that that's all you have to do. Because in my opinion, everyone should be vegan. But so, I disagree with my friends on that. So that's yeah, yeah, no, and, and, yeah, and that's again, fine. we started we started out here saying we we're going to we're 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 hoping to find some some different. I'm going to go back to something we talked about earlier, and then I got a couple of more questions. In your statement just now, is an inherent part of being a vegan the activism? So 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 to me again, now we're getting back to this definitional thing. Is it about the personal choices I make, and I may be an activist on top of that, or are they inextricably linked so that you can't be, if words matter, you can't be a vegan if you're not advocating to other or, or being an activist to change behavior. So, um, so now this is, this, this is a question of semantics, but, it, yeah. but it just, I'm just interested. Well... When I was saying veganism, veganism is the bare minimum, we shall be activists. I was yeah. more so talking about f- of the broad definition of activism. Like, I think to be a vegan who exists confidently and talks to other people about being vegan and encourages them to be vegan, yeah. I think that's activism. Yes. I also think activism is frontline, direct action, blocking trucks, breaking into slaughterhouses. That, co- that stuff is really cool to me. I don't do it because it's not good for my mental health to see that kind of stuff like the, the animals yeah. um 
But I think there's a million different forms of activism that we can do. They're all valid. A lot of people find the frontline direct action annoying. I think that it's really cool because different kinds of activism encourage different kinds of people to go vegan for different reasons. I agree. I think, like, I also think that, like, activism is, there's so many ways that you can be, you can approach activism. And it doesn't, maybe that is another misconception where, like, activism is usually thought of as the front lines people and the people who are, like, being very, quote-unquote, pushy or, like, um, the people that are most seen on, like, social media and by the general public. But I feel like there's that other kind of activism that, like, all vegans inherently already do just by you know, um, buying vegan things and buy, like, just, like, eating vegan meals in front of, even with friends that are not vegan, um, just, like, inherently doing that action that other people can see is a slighter way of activism where it's, like, you're leading by example and you're showing other people that this is something that you can do that is still pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think I'll also add that I don't, like, I, I disagree on the point that we all should be doing activism. I think it's great if people want to, but I also think that just having the lifestyle in, of itself is such a huge impact in terms of how many animals are saved a year and the various environmental benefits, too. Like, I think just just being proud of just the fact that you're living that life is really cool and totally fine and that the pressure to do activism doesn't have to be there, but... I think activism is a multitude of things, though. Like yeah, for Donating sure. to a sanctuary, posting stuff online, talking to your friends, going to a vegan sanctuary, volunteering there. Like, activism, we don't have to always associate it with these really intense experiences that not everyone is able to do for many reasons, including accessibility and financial limitations and stuff. But there's a million different ways you can be an activist. As I said, literally just existing as a confident vegan who isn't afraid to talk mm-hmm. to other people about it, that's actually sure. Okay. I have, a, I have a couple of more questions, and then I'm going to close by saying, is there anything you want to say that I haven't given you the opportunity to? So don't fret if you haven't <laughs> said something that you want to say. I'm going to close with that. I heard you say vote with my dollars and Mm -hmm. and go buy products just to say there is a market, there is a growing market for this and and that it makes a difference. Might have been you, but I don't remember exactly. Someone said, well, this is a company that's just trying to make money and they're not. Is purity required? Is it okay if restaurants offer vegan meals, but not just vegan meals? Like, can I go to a restaurant that's not all vegan and eat a vegan meal? Or can I buy from a company that offers a range of products, including animal products, but now is offering a vegan line of products? Is that okay? Is that good? Or or do we need, I don't know, for lack of a better word, purity? I don't think so. For, for me, it doesn't... Like, part of it may be that some companies maybe trying to profit off the trend that we were just we were just speaking of yeah but at the same time like it's you're, you're purchasing vegan food like you how, how picky you're gonna get i mean for, for me that's the like at the end of the of that practicality like so who exactly would we be buying like processed vegan food from if we couldn't buy from you know a corporation that's owned by another corporation yeah. that, that 
is um, also dealing in meat and, and yeah. dairy and whatever. Like it, it just on a practical level, it doesn't work. And I mean, at the end of the day, your your dollars are going towards that specific. Like it's going towards Daya, right? It's not yeah. going towards the their parent company, whatever. Okay. Yeah. And it could eventually lead them to pursue more vegan products in the long term. Mm-hmm. Like, I definitely agree. I think that, like, we should take any kind of opportunity to encourage veganism and not, like, limit it. Because if purity, if, like, we are trying to purify um, vegan products um, and companies or whatever, that would become a pretty big barrier for any company to even try veganism or, like, promote it and really, like, increase the awareness and interest of uh, vegan um, products. So I feel like that would harm the movement more than it would benefit it um if we look at like like actually spreading the message and doing the most impact in the world i have mixed feelings about it because on one hand it's the most practical and realistic thing to buy stuff from non-vegan companies on the other hand yeah I, I said this before, a lot of the times they're just doing this because they want our money, not because they don't care about us, or not because they care about animals. They're not probably not going to scale down their production of killing animals because a few of us buy the Beyond Burger. Maybe it'll affect a little stuff, but it's not going to cause radical restructuring of the system that oppresses animals. So on one hand, it's like, I mean, I'm going to buy base cell vegan margin because it's cheap and I like it. Yeah. But, I'm also gonna, <laughs> but I'm also going to be critical of capitalism and of the normalization of the oppression of animals. And also, I'm going to prioritize vegan brands if I can afford them. Because yeah. they usually are more expensive than the uh, more mainstream, like the PC, Tempeh, and yeah. stuff like that. And I'm going to prioritize vegan restaurants if they're accessible. So, so you anticipated my last question. Is veganism affordable? I think so. I, I think so, too. And I think it's uh, also the, one of those misconceptions. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because if someone, like, says, I'm going to be vegan tonight or this week, and they go to the grocery store and they buy all the mock meats and they buy mm-hmm. all the fake cheeses and they buy they buy all these other types of foods that they're not used to buying, then, of course, it's going to be a big bill. Um, but if you look at, like, what – if you're eating a whole food vegan diet, then – Oh, and also the vegetable thing, because a lot of people are like, oh, well, now vegetables are so expensive and I'm buying all these more vegetables. But if you're eating healthy, when you switch from non-vegan to vegan, you shouldn't be changing your vegetable intake. You should probably still be eating the same amount yeah, of vegetables, vegetables when you're healthy. It's just other so proteins. It's the proteins. And so like things like lentils are cheaper than beef, but the, the mock meats are not. So it, it depends on how whole foods you go, and it also depends on how healthy you're eating. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it is... Often a, a thing used to derail discussions of veganism is that it's not affordable because people will point to you know, food deserts, homeless people. I'm like, yep, that exists, but that's not the majority of people. So let's talk about the people who can do it, but let's also pay attention to the people who can't do it, but not use it as a way to derail. So there are people who live in food deserts where it's hard to get food in general, not just vegan food. And that's not cool. And we should be doing food activism related to that to have them have access to affordable, healthy food. And there are homeless people, but there's also homeless vegans. So it's important to, it's a very nuanced thing. You have to look at all the different things, all the different issues. I've personally found that being vegan is super affordable for me. I spend way less on groceries than my non-vegan friends. 
However, I also don't really eat out that often. Yeah, so, those, so. That, that makes a difference. Yeah. It's interesting. There was a study that I saw on BBC today that said that vegetarians and vegans have a lower risk of heart attack, but a higher risk of stroke. And uh, it's a study that was done over several years, and I think it was in Great Britain, but I don't remember. And one of the things that the authors said at the end is, we don't know if the higher risk of stroke was because they were vegan, or just because in the time that we were sampling, there were just far fewer vegan options, so they weren't eating very healthy. <laughs> so it's, uh, so it, to a large degree, it depends on what you're eating and, and how you're eating. But, like I, I think that my vegan meals are more affordable. However, I used to eat a lot more vegan than I do now. Like I used to eat more than two-thirds. But I, I found that the time spent preparing my meals was a lot more and as a student it it was affordable but also I can't spend like 10 hours a week making meals for five days and doing that every couple days so there's some trade-offs you can probably yeah just just like people who are not vegan are trade-offs between degree of processing and and preparation the the convenience factor there, there are probably fewer sort of vegan options. Yeah, yeah, and as a student as well, like buying the substitutes is more expensive, but it it decreases your time, but also so you're balancing a, a lot of the different yeah. like money, time, mm-hmm. like taste of your food and I find it's easier to eat more vegan food in the summer when fruits and vegetables are abundant and cheaper and I'd rather not import and eat imported fruits and vegetables in the winter. So that's I mean the environmental side for me is that balance because if it's the sustainability side importing things isn't necessarily the most sustainable in the winter so those are like other considerations that yeah i definitely eat way more frozen fruit and veg in the winter than in the summer but that's a that's a general misconception that you know frozen canadian fruits and vegetables that are flash frozen when they're harvested are often healthier than yeah. some of the important yeah. things, yeah. right? And, and we have this sort of, we have this, it, this has nothing to do with veganism, but it, but we have this misconception about frozen food mm-hmm. uh, that can significantly impact the cost of yeah. anyone's diet. I actually love frozen food. Like, it doesn't go bad, you know? It's so much more convenient <laughs> in terms of preparation and yeah. stuff. And also, going back to your comment about, um, you know, meal prep and convenience, I think it's also important that, when we talk about veganism, we talk about being like food literate in that people know how to prepare food. They know how to cook for themselves. They know how to meal prep because that's something that we should be prioritizing for everyone. Oh, I couldn't agree diet. more. You, yeah. You've picked one of my sort of hobby horses. <laughs> I, I get up and talk about food literacy all the time. I think it's something that we've lost as a society. Grumpy old guy. I, you know, we had to take cooking in high school. That's gone. And I, I, I used to teach one of the first year seminars here on campus, and it was a food seminar. And so these were 18 food engaged students in first year. And I said, how many of you are nervous about moving out of residence and having to live and cook on your own? And 16 out of 18 put their hands up, right? We just, we just have this decrease in food literacy and food mm-hmm. skills that I think is... That probably is is harder 
when there are fewer options available, right? Mm-hmm. So, so part of becoming vegan might be improving your food skills and literacy oh, just is. just mm-hmm. in order to be able to do it. And in some degrees, it is investing the time, right? It's you know the average Canadian doesn't know what they're going to eat at three for dinner at three o'clock in the <laughs> afternoon. It is hard to go then go home and have peas. Because they have to soak for soap, right? <laughs> so, so, so some of those things become a real issue. So two last questions. You talked earlier about, you know, tense conversations with friends. And I think we've had a fairly calm, <laughs> untense conversation. Are there tense conversations amongst vegans as well? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I've so seen a couple of times where people tensed up a little bit. <laughs> but so so there are differences. There are differences of opinion, there are differences of perspective. Yeah, totally. I mean, Laura and I are good friends and we disagree on a lot of stuff about veganism. Yeah. That's okay because I have other vegan friends who agree with me, vegan friends who don't. What brings us together is that we're all vegan. Yeah. So that's what I mean about like the vegan community and making a lot of friends yeah so that's really cool but it's also important to respect differences in opinion and know we are not all the same and we don't all think the same and every perspective brings important things to the table yeah i would i would also agree like my my parents are whole food plant plant-based they're they're kind of vegan i'm i would say I define myself as a vegan first while they define themselves themselves as whole food plant-based first. And even when it came to uh, organizing my wedding, we had disagreements about what kind of food we should be serving to the people who came. For me, it was the food should be vegan because... This is our summer. This is, yeah. (laughs) Right? And for my parents, it was a a conversation about, oh, no, but well, we have to be good hosts. The people coming aren't vegan. Well, my parents themselves are vegan. And my parents, well... Some people would say they're not vegan, but um, <laughs> like my, my, my parents will buy milk chocolate for my aunt or something like yeah. that. I, in turn, won't purchase milk chocolate for my wife. Yeah. Do you, you know what I mean? Like there, there is, there is, even between my parents and I, there, there are actually quite large differences. Okay. Is your wife a vegan? <laughs> She's vegetarian. She's a vegetarian. You've got it, you've got it figured out at home. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. We we I we still live with my parents, so okay. Not there's there's not much to figure out quite yet. Yeah, okay. <laughs> it's interesting. It, it, my my personal situation is my wife at home has cut out all red meat, most chicken, and eats fish. So I've become much less of a red meat eater just by default, and we often prepare separate meals at home or separate proteins at home. And so there's not a lot of tension, but there is some complication in our life. And I told her we were recording this today, and she will listen. So I have to be a bit careful. But uh, she said, oh, well, maybe you'll come home vegan tonight. (laughs) With a big smile on her face. (laughs) Anything else to add on that one before I ask my... I was going to say, sometimes I feel like an outcast even amongst all of my vegan friends because I don't eat like them and I eat all whole foods. Yeah. And when they cook like a nice dish and there's oil in it and you're like... Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm more flexible <laughs> now, but it's just when it compromises my health, yeah. I'm just not willing to do that. So, and I'm not... I don't 
do radical activism and a lot of times I don't get involved with some of the things that we do. So sometimes I do feel like an outcast, but again, I know that we all have the same vision. So there is that base, you know, ideal that we all come together around, but there is times when I'm just still the outcast, (laughs) even amongst a group of vegans. Yeah. Yeah, I was going to say, so we've been talking about how there's a lot of differences amongst our friends. It's okay. Like we are understanding. But in terms of the online, like, oh, vegan, yeah, it can get really that. bad. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's something that, I think this is maybe more for people who, you know, are in the vegan movement or care about the vegan movement to address because, I mean, it's not really getting anywhere if we mm-hmm. are arguing amongst ourselves mm-hmm. about what it means. And for me, I, like, I'm quite strict with myself, but flexible with mm-hmm. other people and, and, and the way that I approach, like, how I act, activism. But, like, for example, if a celebrity who's vegan announces that they're vegan, has ice cream one day, and then the entire, everyone just rips them apart, and, like, I just don't think that that's productive, and I think that, you know, the whole idea of the, the holding people to once they become vegan, they must always be this 100% vegan, I think is, is kind of destructive, too, and that as great as veganism is, and as much as I support it, I also really support mental health, and, like, people taking care of themselves and like we're human beings we make mistakes but i think like if we're just like focusing on the moving forward and, and, and now i'm on a tangent but no no but there is a lot of negativity online a oh lot. god and it's and, very and discouraging not, and that's not things. unique to veganism yeah god, mm-hmm. the, the, the nature of discourse online whether it's between vegans or between eaters broadly or or whatever is profoundly disappointing and unproductive mm-hmm. <laughs> that's not unique to this community yeah well and following lauren's point like as i'm not vegan i've really appreciated how i guess like gentle and kind lauren in particular is about me not being vegan and kind of encouraging that and i think that that is i guess more encouraging than i guess not being understanding i yeah, I like I, I, think, I think it's a more welcoming environment. I think, a and it's a of type people, of activism that might affect your behavior more in, yeah. as an individual, right? Well, there's it's also a, a complicated issue because yeah. some of the the hardcore stuff does work because that that's what worked for me. I saw a really negative tweet one time about oppressing animals and stuff, and I was like, "Wait, what do you mean?" And then I looked it up, and I was like, "Oh." yeah, we're killing animals. That's pretty messed up. So I went vegan overnight. And if I hadn't seen that really aggressive tweet, I wouldn't have gone vegan. However, having been a vegan for so long now, I do think that being more approachable about it is better. And I also believe in the power of uh, face-to-face interaction much more than online interaction. I think too, if we all came together, we'd do a lot more work or more effective work instead of just fighting amongst each other and you know, creating these rules. And, yeah, I think it would add value to the community in general yeah. as a whole. I think the ability to disagree with people respectfully has really gone out the window. With oh, generally. And in terms of infighting in the vegan movement, it is it is good to, you know, d- debate with people or disagree with them. But at the end of the day, you can still be friends or you can still respect them. 
and also respect that different stuff works for different people. Yeah. Respectful discourse is something we've lost, yeah. and, and, and if we can get that back in a variety of arenas, we'd be better off. Okay, what does the future look like? What's the future of veganism? I'm a radical vegan. <laughs> <laughs> the complete eradication of the oppression of animals. Okay. That's the future looks like for me, but that also involves a lot of dismantling of a lot of oppressive systems, so... Hopefully we'll have a revolution, but who knows? I think revolutions, though, start with all of us. Mm -hmm. Like, it starts from the bottom, so... And you see that happening, you know? My grandmother is eating Beyond Meat burgers, so... I don't know. I think it looks optimistic in my viewpoint. Like, I see the same thing. Maybe not as fast as you might want it to happen, (laughs) but I do see that, too. But I think, yeah, just, like, collectively coming together as a population mm-hmm. that's how it will happen when i think of because it's it's tricky because it's like as much as i would like there to be no more animal exploitation it's hard with what i think will realistically happen and when i think about what i think of the future i think to the example of like smoking where it was it was really common everyone did it like nobody thought twice mm-hmm. about it it was in like coffee shops and whatever buildings and now it still happens like people still have the ability to choose it but it's looked down upon it's kind of like the not as much of the social norm and it's not in public spaces and it's not you know and, and to me that's what I see as because I, I don't know about like the full eradication and I don't know if that would ever be something we should a aim for b like expect but I think the the normalization of eating plant-based I think is going to con- hopefully continue to grow and I think it will yeah for me it, it is like the end all be all is no more exploiting animals, but like, what is the prat- practical reality in the next fifty, in the next hundred years? Yeah. And I think for me, the smoking example is a, is a great example mm-hmm. because it, it's not just that sixty percent of of Canadians used to smoke and now forty percent of Canadians used to smoke. It's that doctors used to smoke and and doctors used to endorse cigarettes, right? Yeah. It, it 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 really is the same story, and I and I think for me. Like when it comes to veganism, I, I really think it can be done within within the political system we are now. How many people really went to Parliament and, and really went to like the government and said, smoking is wrong, this needs to change, we need new laws, uh, Health Canada needs to recognize that this is this is a problem, whatever. It was a very small percentage of people. And they didn't have to bring down democracy or whatever. Even like, I mean, there's so many things in veganism where we say, oh, you know, like, these meat corporations, they have so much money, so much power. So do, so do cigarettes, so do cigarette companies, right? Yet we all like, it's no, it's not, it's not even an open secret. Everyone knows smoking causes lung cancer, right? For me, for me, it really like, there's a lot of similarities there and where I feel like the way that it happened with smoking, we can also go the same way. So the last thing, I appreciate you all taking the time. I've learned a lot. I've, heard some different perspectives. I got exactly what I wanted out of our discussion. Is there anything that I should have asked or any last point any of you would like to make to the people who might listen to this conversation, help them understand your perspective better or a point you wish you'd made? You don't have to. I just thought I'd give everyone an opportunity to say, is there something that you wanted to say that you didn't get the chance to because I didn't ask the right questions? I mean, this kind of touches on some points we said before, but I think almost anyone can go vegan. 
They just need the support and the resources. And thankfully, with the age of the internet, that stuff is there. So I do believe people have individual power to make their own choices. And I hope that more people go vegan in the future. Mm-hmm. And I, I think, for me, one of the things that I've come to consider in the later part of my being vegan is the the idea that we don't have, like, people don't have to opt into fully being vegan or do nothing. Like, I think that there is a lot of in between that is good and interesting and, and valued. So, yeah, I don't really know what else to say about that, but the, <laughs> it's important to be for like to to know that like you don't have to fall within the rigid, fully hundred percent vegan. Good. Well, thank you very much for taking the time. I've taken quite a bit of your time, and I appreciate your perspectives. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks. <laughs> wrap up another episode of Food Focus, I thought I would just take a quick moment to thank Molly Gallant, who really does the heavy lifting in producing this podcast. She does all the hard work. I get to have the interesting discussions. Thank Zachary Von Massow for the original music. Before we go, I'd like to remind you again about our foodfocusguelph.ca website. Check out our blog, updated at least weekly. Check out previous versions of the podcast. Check out our trends report and get in touch with us. Food Focus at uoguelph.ca. We'd love to have you send us comments, ideas, suggestions, and just to interact and hear what you're thinking about. Finally, if you like the podcast, please take a moment to rate us wherever you get your podcast as this helps other people find us. So thanks again. Hope you enjoyed it and looking forward to talking to you again soon. Bye-bye.